0: Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka, welcome to Womanity Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socio economic class division, and gender based violence. Joining us today on the line for our series covering women in the judiciary is High Court Judge Hulelwa Pakati from the Eastern Cape Division of the High Court. Thank you, Dr. Malka, for having me. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the show and to this series. Over the course of our series on Women in the Judiciary, where we've had conversations with several of your colleagues who've served in the High Court, as well as the Labour Court, there seems to have been a defining moment that set them on their trajectory to study law. Please, can you tell us what made you choose law as your career path?
1: Well, the treatment of young girls that I witnessed at the time influenced my decision to choose law. We had a custom called Ukutwala. That was the order of the day when I grew up. A young girl would be waylaid Assaulted and abducted by a group of men for purposes of having sexual intercourse with her and get her to marry either one of them or a family member. She would be kept against her will at the paternal home of the prospective husband. If he is at home, he would have sexual intercourse with her without her consent. In the meantime, a message would be sent to her family advising them that she is with them. If both families agreed to the arrangement, then lobola negotiations would take place and the young girl would be married to the man. Most of the times, this man would be a stranger to her. That to me was unfair and tantamount to treating women as objects by forcing them to marry to strangers without considering how they felt or wanted for their future. It would also stop them from pursuing their dreams of becoming what they wanted to be. I therefore wanted justice for them.
0: When I first heard about ukutwala I was so shocked, so abhorred that children were being abducted and entering into, as you say, marriages with people who they don't know um, who have just kidnapped them.
1: It is very sad, Dr. Marga, because You know, those young kids, they never had an opportunity of having to choose what they wanted to be.
0: Reflecting on your time as a judge, what would you say have been some of the most memorable cases that you've presided over? What comes to mind, doctor, is
1: that is an elderly woman in her 70s who was attacked, raped and killed by a young man in his 20s. She had visited her husband's grave on a Sunday morning from church. While she was there minding her own business, she was accosted by this young man who attacked her, raped her, hit her with a big rock, thereby killing her. During the trial, the accused testified that the reason he hit the deceased with a rock on her head was because she was too strong for him. She kept fighting until he decided to hit her with a rock on her head. The other sad one for me was the deceased, an eight-year-old girl was killed by the accused, her father's friend. On the fateful day, the accused had visited the deceased's father. At the time, the deceased was playing outside with other children. The deceased father took a nap and it was at that time that the accused took advantage of the deceased. He asked her to accompany him, which she did innocently. At a certain point, he dragged her to the forest. He raped her and killed her. It transpired during the trial that the reason why he struck her with a rock on her head was because after he raped her, she looked at him asked him what he was doing, he could not answer. At that moment, he knew that the deceased was going to tell her father and would be unable to face him. He decided to kill her.
0: These are such tragic acts. And if you consider the fact of the the, the violence that is attached to it, that the young girl, the elderly woman, they didn't need to die at the hands of these men. And that was just this extra act of of violence that was perpetrated against them.
1: I'm saying that's the truth of the word that they never expected that at the time.
0: Judge Piketty, in addition to your work schedule and obviously serving on the bench, you play an active part in social upliftment through various community engagements covering topics such as the role of mentors to advance women professionally, the challenges facing career-motivated women and leadership development for women in law enforcement, just to mention a few. Increasing the number of female leaders and developing women for these roles is really important for women's empowerment, as well as equality agendas. Please, can you tell us, based on your experience, what are some of the leadership characteristics that you find to be essential? The
1: starting point for me were the values that were instilled in us as children by our parents. They taught us to stay focused with good support structures by family and friends, one can succeed. My parents were hard working. My dad worked late at night, and from that I learned that. When I want to achieve a certain goal, I have to be courageous. My mother was a businesswoman. She struggled building up her business, but through hard work and refusing to allow distractions in her efforts made me realize how strong I should be in order to achieve my goals. I learned to play my part and know that whatever I do can be achieved through hard work. There were challenges that my mother faced building up her business, But I saw in her fearlessness and determination that she made it. Even my dad would not have been able to make it without this strong woman. In my journey, I acknowledged that through knowledge and experience, I overcame any challenges that I came across just by being passionate about what I did. Adding to that, I have also come to realize that I should be able to change the narrative if necessary by adding value. For an example, when I got pregnant with my son, I had to leave the working environment because I was not allowed to remain there when I reached seven months of my pregnancy. When that time came, I challenged the secular that was in existence at the time, as I thought it was unfair to women as it did not apply to male counterparts. That narrative was changed in order to accommodate all women to take maternity leave when due. It is important that we first understand why certain decisions are made and be bold enough to challenge some. And most importantly, maintain credibility and integrity. Last but not least, create peace and order to society. Those are some of the characteristics that I would think are essential in leadership positions.
0: They're very important characteristics. And I particularly like your your use of of courageousness, uh, fearlessness, and determination, Mm -hmm. and the role that your mom played in all of this as as an influencing effect. Yes. How do you think we can get more women to occupy positions of leadership or or decision-making roles?
1: I can say, first of all, that women are ready to assume decision-making roles, but some of them get distracted by challenges that come their way. There will be challenges and we will fall, but we should not allow ourselves to be discouraged. We should be able to stumble and fall and rise up again. With resilience and fixing our eyes to our goal, we overcome anything that is thrown at us. That is what kept me going in the midst of incredible hardships and barriers put in my way of getting what my end goal is. Eventually, staying focused at my dream allowed me to attain it. Humility and taking that every barrier is a learning curve helps me to stay strong. We also need to acknowledge that we don't know everything, but we are prepared to learn and move forward. We also need to be transparent, firm, assertive, and approachable. Maturity, experience, knowledge, and ability to work with people also prepares us to be in in positions to take responsibility. A woman should not compete with another woman for the wrong reasons, to a point that she allows herself to be used against another woman. On 9 August 1956, women flocked to the union buildings in a determined yet orderly manner to protest the introduction of the apartheid laws. These women were united and stood together fighting for the same cause. Therefore, we should exercise that unity and encourage and build each other rather than pull one another down.
0: Those are great words of advice. Staying with this topic, part of your your talks and conversations that you've had with communities is the role of mentors to advance women professionally. And I'd be keen to hear on some of the findings or the responses that you had from the community audiences on, on when you were talking about this topic.
1: The audience was very positive about it because some of them were complaining that You know, women who are in positions do not pull other women up to climb the ladder with them for various reasons, jealousy, hatred, or that they want to be there on their own. And they stressed this saying that one woman should not pull another woman down. So it was very positive that women in leadership should be able to pull other women and mentor them so that
0: they are in a position to assume leadership positions. It's almost a a responsibility, I think, that women have to other women so that the generation that comes after us doesn't have to labor through the journey and the hardships that we walked that we make their path easier and their journey to to leadership um, that much better that
1: is so true doctor i hi i'm zonke digana a south african afro soul musician songwriter and producer you are listening to womanity women in unity on channel africa the voice of the african renaissance
0: Today we're talking to High Court Judge Ulelwa Pakati from the Eastern Cape Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Judge Pakati, earlier you mentioned a, a point which I think is very important—that when you were pregnant with your son, that. You were effectively asked to leave the work environment at being seven months pregnant, and you managed to help change the narrative and to change that practice. We know that the juggle between career and motherhood has always been a controversial issue for women. How do you see this with your your first-hand experience? It
1: is a controversial issue because of the attitude of the society and cultural norms. I think these attitudes need to be changed because times have changed. The perception that women should do certain jobs, which cannot be done by men, does not have a place in our society now. It is unfair that women have to perform societal roles, especially those of motherhood, and yet be seen as incapable of being career women. Notably, being a mother is an extra, but very important role most women play in our society, yet life must be balanced. While women are leading and growing their careers, it is equally important to raise healthy families, Although women are still believed to belong in the kitchen in in this day and age, they have proven that they are more than capable of balancing and juggling between motherhood and being career women. It is without doubt that they have managed to do this exceptionally well. Getting back to my experience, I took it that it was very unfair because it's pointing at me and not pointing at the male counterpart, I should leave. And at the time that I leave, the father of my child gets paid every month and nothing affects him. Now, why should I suffer because of that? That is the courage that I got in order to say to myself, I should change the narrative. And fortunately, someone had an ear to listen and it was changed.
0: I vividly remember having a conversation with Margaret Hirsch. She was fired from her job for being pregnant. And because of that, that's when she started to become entrepreneurial and basically be her own boss so that uh, she couldn't be fired. It is very sad, doctor,
1: that women have to suffer like this. You know, now that we are talking about it, One recalls incidents where school children, a girl gets pregnant and she gets fired from school because they are pregnant. What happens to the boy who rendered her pregnant? But fortunately, the laws have changed. Those girls now are in a position to at least carry on with their studies and then go home when they are due in order to come back and continue with their studies. That shows that at least legislation has done something
0: for women. That, I think, is a vital point here and your profession, really, of of being in the law and being lawmakers and being able to transform the lives of millions of women, that you have got laws in place which now prevent discrimination from women being fired from work for being pregnant We now have laws which allow girls to go back and finish their education.
1: That is so true. At least we have moved forward from that. Women are now protected as far as that is concerned, including these young girls. Because we must remember that circumstances that make those girls pregnant are different. They come from different homes with different backgrounds. So we can't we can't really be holding one girl that's pregnant, you know, and wrap them with the same blanket and say they have been reckless or irresponsible or anything like that.
0: Of course not. And as we've highlighted in the discussion today from the the cases that you gave examples from, you look at aspects of, of rape. So you're so right. It's not just about if someone had a a, a consensual intimate relationship, but it is when something has been forced upon um, somebody that end result is that they're pregnant. That is so true, doctor, and
1: that is an important point because some of these girls are rendered pregnant by their own parents. When I say parent, I mean father, or uncle, or brother, which is so sad. And now, why would we destroy a future of a young girl who did not agree to what has happened to her?
0: Absolutely. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to High Court Judge Ulelwa Pakati from the Eastern Cape Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. We've given some examples of the role of legislation really indicating that it is such a powerful tool, if upheld, to help advance women's rights. And sometimes I find it hard to fathom that it's only been since 1996, effectively 25 years ago, when the Bill of Rights was introduced and all women in South Africa were formally recognized as equal citizens. In your view, what would you say are, are some of the important equality gains that women have attained?
1: Although the Constitution promotes women equality, we are still a long way to go. For example, women have to work 10 times more to prove themselves. Nonetheless, we have definably made gains and strides today there are women who serve in cabinet madam justices in the constitutional court the supreme court of appeal is headed by a woman there are specific projects by government designed for women in business which will birth more women entrepreneurs so i think we have made some considerable strides in making Equality gains for women.
0: Equality gains are important for all women, and I'd love to be in a world where girls didn't have to think about things and it was just a a taken for granted scenario. One of the things that we grapple with in South Africa is high levels of gender based violence. And there has been the National Strategic Plan on gender-based violence and and femicide, which was centered around six pillars. that touched on accountability, coordination, and leadership. Secondly, prevention and rebuilding the social cohesion. Thirdly, justice, safety, and protection. Fourthly, response, care, support, and healing. And fifth, economic power. And sixth, research and information management. This year in President Ramaphosa's Women's Day speech, he mentioned that key legislation around domestic violence, bail and sentencing of offenders, as well as broadening the scope of sexual offences and other matters is currently before Parliament, and that courts are handing down harsher penalties and sentences to those found guilty of gender-based violence and conviction rates in sexual offence cases have improved. Given your breadth of experience, do you think that tougher sentencing of perpetrators who commit acts of violence against women will help deter gender-based violence? Thank you, Dr. Marga. You know, in considering
1: sentence, a judicial officer takes into account the principles of sentencing, namely retribution, prevention, rehabilitation, and deterrence. Deterrence is but one of the principles of punishment that should be taken into account. Its component is to deter would be offenders and the offender from reoffending. The court still needs to consider other principles. It also is important to know that the opinion of the community does not influence the court in considering sentence. I am therefore not in a position to say that. Harsher sentences of perpetrators who commit acts of violence against women will help deter gender-based violence on its own because each case should be treated according to its own merits. If I were to just go further than that and say, there are harsh sentences that are given to gender-based uh, violence offenders already. And during this week, I'm just talking this week on the news, the Forte student who has been killed through violence. This morning, there's another woman who has been killed because of this gender-based violence. I think the government has done or is busy doing the best that it can. The courts are doing the best that they can. But it appears to me that the violence still continues. So it shows to me that there is some missing link somewhere. I'm not able to point to it and say, this is the link that makes us not get to the root of it because it, it keeps on continuing as if these sentences are not there. And police are doing their best to
0: arrest these people. It is very sad. We, as a society, I think have got some significant moral and social issues. Yes,
1: I agree with you. Now, you know, you you really, sometimes you want to get into the mind of the person who perpetrates violence, and you want to know how they come to this conclusion of killing women so brutally. You don't know what, comes to their mind when they do these heinous offenses.
0: Judge Picati, I wish that we were able to find a solution to this. We would certainly be able to solve a significant number of of social ills in society if if we could, Um, but I realize that that is out of our hands and capability for the moment. Reflecting on this year's Women's Day, it marks the 65th anniversary, and we already spoke about earlier how we had 20,000 women marching to the union buildings in protest of the apartheid pass laws. And again, reflecting on another component of President Ramaphosa's speech, he mentioned just as women of 1956 fought against the injustices of their time. The women of today are engaged in a new frontier of struggle. It's a struggle for equal rights, dignity, economic liberation, and freedom from violence. So again, we've got this message of, of violence coming through. And again, we've got this view that society is always changing and that we have to keep being persistent on being able to move with the times and ensure that women are, are treated equitably. In the short term, what types of mechanisms do you think could be used to accelerate this issue of equal rights, dignity, economic liberation, and freedom from violence for women in South Africa?
1: In my view, the constitution is the supreme law of the republic. Law or conduct inconsistent with it is invalid and the obligations imposed by it must be fulfilled. This is the most powerful mechanism that should be used to accelerate equal rights dignity, economic liberation, and freedom from violence for women in South Africa. I say so because we still struggle in the face of this powerful document that gives women all these rights. But I can suggest that educating our society about these values is pivotal. There are women empowerment programs that empower women in terms of economically. There is the program called Women in Construction. There's also the National Empowerment Fund aimed at funding business owned and operated by women. Technology for women in business program. Gender and Women Empowerment Unit within the Department of Trade and Industry, which assists South African Women Entrepreneurs Network. It helps women to overcome obstacles they face in business. As far as dignity, equal rights, freedom from violence is concerned. We as a society need, because these rights are entrenched in the constitution, All that needs to be done is for all of us to work together and see to it that these rights are implemented the way they are supposed to be. It means the whole society to work together in order to achieve these rights. For me, the Constitution is the most powerful tool that we have in order to protect these rights.
0: Education, 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 and I think perhaps maybe this is something which should be introduced into curriculums, that people need to be aware of what their rights are, but also what their responsibilities and obligations are to upholding them. As you say, if everyone's not on the same page, we are, are not going to be able to move forward and hopefully resolve these challenges that we've just mentioned.
1: Indeed, Dr. Marga, because that was going to be my suggestion in the long term. For instance, at this stage, we have this kind of society that we have that still does not show responsibility into upholding these rights. But if in the long term, these are infused in the curriculum for kids at school so that When they go to school at an early age, you must remember that they come from different homes. There are homes where daddy is still assaulting mommy and all these other rights that are not upheld at home. But if they are taught at school at that early age, even when they go home and see these things happening, they will know that these things are wrong. And when someone does something wrong,
0: then there must be consequences to that. If you can conscientize people into what is right and what is wrong, they know the difference. And they've got, let's say, positive values and ways of living to aspire to if we use the education institutions as an instrument to drive that type of messaging.
1: Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakachaka and I'm UNICEF and rollback malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. A programme against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Malka every week on this day at this time.
0: Today, we're talking to High Court Judge Olelwa Pakati from the Eastern Cape Division of the High Court. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Judge Pakati, we're coming towards the end of the show, and at this stage, I'd like to ask you more of a personal question, and that it relates to your factors of success. Some of our guests have spoken about discipline, focus, hard work, perseverance, values as being key drivers in their success. Can you please share with us what you would say have been some of your key drivers to success?
1: I can say that my parents raised me with the values that they instilled in us. And, um, you know, I have had moments that were difficult in my life i can I can just share with you that I have taught myself that in in actual fact, I got this from my parents that when you are patient, you um humility in you, you know, and I'm not going to mention perseverance because it's, it's you know it has been there, determination and you know you 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 place your eyes in your goal and say, that is where I am going. And if you don't lose sight of your goal, then you will get through. Even when you stumble and fall to rise up again and not lose focus of my goal. When challenges come, you tell yourself that at the end of the day, that is where I am going. I'm not allowing anyone to stand in my way and you get to where you want to be. That is how I have been, you know, successful to be where I am today.
0: You've shared some fantastic values. And what I love about this question is that everybody shares a different perspective, that everybody has got uh, different drivers that help them succeed. And I find it so enlightening for other people to, to know that there isn't one A uniform recipe, that uh, everybody's recipe for success is different? It is very different.
1: Every one of us, they have got their own path. And, you know, when you are that young girl looking up to someone, you don't really know their path until it gets to you. You experience it. Once you experience it, you know exactly that, you know, Those people did not get it so easy to get to where they they are today or to, to wherever positions they hold. There are going to be mountains and valleys. There are going to be streams and rivers that you will need to cross. But for as long as you do not remove your eyes from the target, you will get there.
0: That's a fantastic message of of perseverance, keeping your eyes on that goal and being focused. You've shared with us how instrumental your parents played a role in in your life and the values that they uh, they gave to you. Can you please tell us who have been some of the female role models in your life?
1: My number one influencer in my life was my mother. From childhood, she had been there as my motivator, giving me guidance, giving me support. And she stood by my side throughout my journey as a young adult. She taught me how to be a better woman. She warned me that in my journey, I would have to face challenges, but that I should not lose sight of the target in order to succeed, as I have mentioned. She strengthened me when I started work It is unfortunate that she did not reap the fruit of her hard labor when she went to her resting place the year I graduated the She did not live to see that day. May her soul rest in peace. I also wish to mention that in my community where I grew up, there were no educated women to look up to, except my aunt who was a professor at the University of Zululand. Her hard work and dedication also motivated me. May her soul also rest in peace. I have met other successful women in the different stages of my career. Mm-hmm. Some as advocates, attorneys, as well as young women who have taken responsibility of accepting appointments to the bench. I wish to acknowledge a friend and colleague, Judge Wendy Hughes, who has been there through thick and thin. She stood by me and supported me.
0: Thank you for acknowledging some of the key women in your life and how they've touched you in various ways. Could you please tell us what you would like your legacy to be, what you'd like to leave behind? I wish to state that,
1: first of all, I appreciate that I have struggled in every milestone that I reached in my career. I have had challenges in my path. That I would not wish any woman to go through, ranging from language barrier to tribalism to sexism, but through perseverance, patience, humility, determination, and courage, I am still standing. So my legacy would be one of strength, passion,
0: and love. Those are great words, strength, passion, and love. And finally, as we close out our conversation today, we are almost on the cusp of Women's Month and Heritage Month. Could you please share with us a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to women in Africa that are listening to us?
1: Thank you, Doctor. First of all, I would like to say that women are tired of having to always argue their value and competency. And it's time for those in power to wake up to that reality. Women are educated. They are strong, experienced, and willing to lead. For the upcoming girl, I encourage you to be prepared to stand up to challenges, but also remember to be kind and patient to yourselves. Never allow anyone to tell you what you can and cannot do. You are more than enough and more than capable. I want to refer to the words of Maya Angelou, who said, I quote, You may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so that you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it, unquote. Remember that your success should be the inspiration of another. Be confident in everything you do. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judge Pacchetti, for those wonderful words of motivation and inspiration. I think my key takeout of today's conversation has been one of keep rising, irrespective of what barriers come in your way, keep rising, keep your eyes on the goal, and continue. Thank you so much, Dr. Malka. It has been a pleasure having you on our show today. Thanks for joining us. It has been a pleasure for
1: me being in this show. Thank you so much.
0: You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to High Court Judge Bulelwa Pakati from the Eastern Cape Division of the High Court.